0: but once i have accepted that that is not something that is my best like output method once i've accepted that i realize like the creative strengths that i have when i work within like what really best suits my personality and it's a tough world because we can't always do what best suits our personalities right within like a standard working World, but one of my hopes is that as I talk more about things that I've found that have really worked well for me, that maybe people will rethink uh, the traditional structure that is so geared towards that extrovert ideal, and um, it's just not the only way.
1: Hello. And welcome to the Quiet and Strong podcast, especially for introverts. I'm your host, David Hall, and the creator of QuietAndStrong.com. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to understanding the strengths and needs of introverts. Introversion is not something to fix, but to be embraced. Normally, we'll air each episode on a Monday. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform. Stacy Roshan is an educator, speaker, tech innovator, and author of Tech With Heart, leveraging technology to empower student voice, ease anxiety, and create compassionate classrooms. She is passionate about discovering and sharing innovative ways to leverage technology to deepen relationships, build confidence, and create a safe learning environment where every student feels empowered to share their voice. Her work has been featured in USA Today, The Washington Post, CNN, and PBS NewsHour. In addition to teaching high school students to love and understand math, Stacy works closely with faculty to design tech-infused lessons aimed at providing the optimal learning environment for all students. All right, hello, and welcome to our guest, Stacy. So great to have you on the Quiet and Strong podcast.
0: I'm so excited to be here with you.
1: Stacy has written a wonderful book called Tech with Heart. As I said in the intro, stacy has been a math teacher, and we are going to get into that. But before we do... I wanna know more Stacey about your journey, you know, discovering that you were an introvert and then what made you decide to be a a teacher and more specifically a math teacher?
0: Yeah, so much of this whole journey is self-discovery. That has taken a long time for me. Um, And in some ways, just, you know, knowing how to embrace your personality, knowing how to embrace yourself, learning about yourself, Um, for some people takes longer than others. Uh, For me to get into education actually was not the first thing that I did. I started, I studied economics all through college, all through grad school, and I was an economic consultant for a short while. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. And um, then I fell into teaching. And when I say that, you know, I had a lot of great math influence and teaching influence behind me. My mom is a math teacher. She taught me growing up. She's a huge influence on how I've gotten to where that I am today. And I, when I wanted that break, I wanted something that was going to bring me joy. I had tutored math, um, all growing up kind of following what my mom was doing. And then it opened up opportunities for me to math tutor. And I knew that I loved that work. I always kind of loved teaching in general. And so I just kind of followed my heart at that point. And I did something that I knew would bring me joy, not knowing that this was going to be a career for me, but it has become more than a career. It's become a true passion for me. Um, and so that's how my teaching began as a math teacher. And then I started getting interested in technology uh, just as a forum for all students to really be able to um, contribute in a way that best fits them, which was something that really spoke to me as an introvert, uh, introverted student, things that I wanted as a student or I wish I could have had. Um, now I felt like there were ways to make some things possible that weren't possible when I was a student and I've gotten really interested in that through the flipped classroom through using technology for students to engage and participate to really rethink um, hand raising in the classroom and all of this.
1: (laughs) Okay did you always know you were an introvert or how did that come about figuring that piece out?
0: I didn't even know what an introvert was when I was young. I think that what really sparked something for me was Susan Cain. Um, When her book came out, I actually, I I was so lucky. I had read about Susan Cain, um, about her book coming out when it came out. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And then that year, she was doing a TED Talk. Um, or shortly after that, she was doing a TED talk. And I was one of the lucky people that got to go to the TED conference that year. TED was starting this TED ed initiative. And because I had done stuff with the flip classroom, and I had really kind of been getting into that space, they invited me out. I mean, this was just like a dream. (laughs) And I went and that year was the year that Susan Kane spoke and I actually got to see her like on the live stage so somebody that was already going to speak to me through what she was saying just like being there and seeing it live and it just um it was really transformative for me as a person um in learning about myself knowing that I could accept myself just like sometimes we doubt whether or not we can accept certain things about our personality. And I had a hard time getting to that place because I honestly didn't know a lot of people like me growing up. And um, even though I could say that my family members could probably relate to some of this again, it was like very different. Um, And then it also really transformed what I was doing in my classroom because so much of the time I, I was thinking about, you know, If somebody came and observed my class, what things are they looking for? Things that they are looking for that tend to be on a checklist are like, is everybody in the class participating? Is everybody in the class equally getting called on? You know, and all these things that are traditional markers of participation were things sometimes against what I wanted to do because it was against what I felt. Um, I needed as a student, like some days I just needed to work on my own, and I think that's an okay thing to do, but I wasn't sure it was an okay for thing for me to do in my classroom right, and so after I heard Susan Kane talk and I just thought I thought so much about this topic, and I've evolved over the years but just the realization that you know sometimes it's okay to give students a quiet space. Sometimes it's not just okay, but it's the best thing you can do. It's not the only thing that should be done. It's important um, you know, that we require students to get outside of their zone of comfort. We require them to learn how to work collaboratively, but it's not the only thing to do. It's not the default thing, and it's not the thing to be praised necessarily. And so that has been a Huge shift. Um, and I I can't credit anybody more with that than Susan Kane and the research behind it because you know I think I'm somebody who likes to back what I do in research.
1: Yeah, that is so cool that you got to go to the TED talk. I'm I jealous. I really <laughs> am. That's amazing. And you're not alone, you know. Most of us, most of the guests I've had, they didn't know what an introvert was and often they felt misunderstood at some point. And um, Susan Cain, I highly recommend her book, Quiet as well because, and the TED Talk was great. I, I really got a lot out of it. And that was about the time that, even though I was on a much longer journey, I was really figuring it out and that was, that was part of it. So yeah, she has a great book. A lot of my guests have also had a similar experience where, where they found that. And again, we have so many different strengths and needs and you're helping students understand their own strengths and needs. We're going to get into that. And I love in your book, you said basically you were being the teacher that you needed, you know, when you were in school. And I love that. Um, Introversion is with us to stay. It comes to us naturally, but what we really have to do is celebrate it. You know, like it comes with a lot of great strengths, just like for you, for me, for your students, What's a strength that you have as an introvert? Yeah,
0: and learning to embrace that. I love that you said that because that's been the hardest part, I think, of the journey for me. Um, So, you know, I, this isn't necessarily uh, an introvert thing, but I am a quieter, like processor, thinker. I also think it's part of what makes me so good at math. Like I'm a very analytical thinker. Um, and I'm very good at problem solving. So along the way, like how I've found my way to the the path that I'm on right now is a lot of just like, um, you know, like I work in ed tech now, but was I ever like really trained in, in this type of thing? No, but I can look at a problem and really analyze it. Well, I think that's something that I'm really strong at, but I'm able to do that work when I am able to carve out like quiet time I can sit down and do 90 minutes of focus work really well now there's other people who can be better like managers and they can really chunk off time and you know have 20 things that they're juggling at once and and they can do that and I can't like but once I have accepted that that is not something that is my best, like, output method, once I've accepted that, I realize, like, the creative strengths that I have when I work within, um, like, what really best suits my personality, and it's a tough world because we can't always do what best suits our personalities, right, within, like, a standard working, world. Um, But one of my hopes is that as I talk more about things that I've found that have really worked well for me, that maybe, um, you know, people will rethink uh, the traditional structure that is so geared towards um, that extrovert ideal. And um, it's just not the only way.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's why we're talking. That's why I do this show, because it's not the only way. And I love how you described how it Absolutely. Those are introverted gifts you described. And we're not saying extroverts can't do those same things, but it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a deep thinker and you, 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 you've embraced that and it, you've come up with some great things. And those are absolutely introverted gifts. Um, is there any like a gift? Because we're not all the same. You know, we're both introverts. If we talked a while, we would come up with some things that were the same and some things that were different. Or is, is there something that you've seen in a student that, that you know, is because of their introversion?
0: Yeah, so um, this goes along with like when you were talking about misconceptions about introverts. I think oftentimes a misconception is that they are quiet or that they have less to say. And that's really far from the truth. I'm actually one of those people. Like once I start talking, I love talking. Like I am really enjoying talking to you right now. And I sign up to do podcasts all the time because I enjoy the conversations and I am a deep thinker, you know, and I just like, I knew that being on your show was going to push me to think in a different way. Cause this is outside of what I typically talk about a little bit and I'm like ready for the challenge and I'm excited for it and I know I'm going to discover things about myself as we talk today and I've noticed that same thing with my students that when I open up forums for them to express themselves comfortably all of a sudden like they'll talk and talk and talk so I've seen this, I think one of the most powerful tools that I've seen this with is Flipgrid, which is just a very simple way for me to say, hey, go home and record yourself on video, chat things out, sometimes they make it private, so it's just between me and the students, sometimes I make it for the full class. I found that it doesn't really matter that much if they're talking to the full class or if they're talking to me, which actually was a little bit of a shocker. I thought that they would be, maybe they would open up a little bit more if they were just talking to me. But what I found is that what was really important is that I'm allowing them to record on video. It doesn't even matter really who I'm having them share it with. And so I think, you know, there's multiple things like we talked about earlier, um, giving them think time, right? So if I'm telling them go home and make a video, the students who are introverted, a lot of times, I I've, every year I have one or two students who is who are very, very quiet in class, who really don't say a lot, who on the videos are the longest video recordings time and time again. I see that all the time. So it's not that they're not vocal, it's not that they don't have a lot to say, and it enjoy expressing it verbally. It's just that maybe they needed time to think before they were ready to say it. Maybe they're more comfortable because they can do it at home in their comfortable spot. Um, Maybe it's that they wanted to script their response. And I do see that sometimes that they're reading their response off the screen. There's nothing wrong with that preparing in advance. And maybe it's just that they can hit the record button, make sure they like what they did. And then re-record if they want to or not, you know? Um, So there's just so many elements there of now I'm giving them choice, flexibility, and allowing them to become more comfortable um, because of what this very simple tool provides.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think you said in your book that sometimes the smartest kids may also be the quietest kids. I love that. And you're also- allowing them to use their own strengths and gifts and somebody that's a deep thinker they might need some time and space to prepare and then they might come up with this masterpiece that on the fly they just it wouldn't be as good i i love that and Mm uh you know it's funny you said um people think we might not have a lot to say but i think that that's it's the opposite i think we have a lot to say because we're thinking all the time and we have a lot to say. And we'll get into a little bit more about, you know, you do speaking and things like that. I do too. And it's, yeah. it's, it's not that we don't have a lot to say. It's just, you know, we're, we're going to use, we're going to um, say our most important things. We're going to think about things. Um, and sometimes people say we get drained by people, but that's not necessarily true either. Like you said, I am really enjoying this conversation. And I'm being energized by this conversation. And often we do better in one-on-ones or small groups. Mm-hmm. And we just have to figure that all out. And, you know, we don't always get our ideal, but we have to work towards that, right?
0: So true. And I think too, you know, like, I know that I pick up on a lot of things. Like I am an observer. I'm very sensitive. Um, and, you know, I think that's sometimes why I feel overstimulated personally, because I am picking up on a lot of like, things that maybe other people are able to block out. Um, But also I do feel in ways that that's my superpower that I'm able to, you know, maybe if I'm not talking, I'm listening better. I'm observing better Um, in situations where I know that I can contribute in ways that are not just like speaking up and interrupting whatever else is happening and getting my voice heard that way. I know that I can be more present in listening and in that observing role, instead of, you know, thinking in my head, like, what am I going to say? How am I going to interject? How am I going to get my point across? Sometimes that's very difficult and challenging for me. Um, But at the same time, I think that one of my strengths is that I'm a good observer and listener. And I think that's been something as a teacher that has been very key to me. Um, You know, Again, in my book, I talk all about like relationships and connections. That's the biggest, most important thing for me as a teacher. Um, And I think that I'm able to do that well, in part because of my personality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we've been talking about your book here and there. So let's just, I'm going to, I like the subtitle too. So it's Tech with Heart, Leveraging Technology to Empower Student Voice, Ease Anxiety, and create compassionate classrooms. That's what it's all about, right? So how'd you come up with this title?
0: Well, I hate titles. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the whole book, and the title was the most painful part. I write talks, and the title is the most painful part. I do a proposal. I can write the whole two-page proposal, and the title's the most painful part. So Titles are not easy for me, but I'm actually very happy with how that title uh, turned out. Um, And I think it turned out so well because I had written the entire book first and then at its core, like the tech with heart and and some of it was inspired actually by the cover art too. I think that was like, then it spoke to me. I got very lucky. Again, you know, when you talk about things that like sometimes uh, things that happen in life that. Are lucky but then you push for my cover art is one of those things I was at a conference I was walking past this like one of these exclusive galleries and I saw this artwork when I was walking past it that was in the window and it was the robot with the butterflies and it spoke to me really, you know, it wasn't actually the exact one on my cover, but it was very similar. It was one in those series. I looked at it. I went inside the gallery. I saw what it was. It's like, okay, I can't get this thing right now. Um, but I had it on my list of things that I want one day. And then when I wrote my book, I kept thinking actually of that piece of art. And I had followed this artist, Michael Summers. And, um, ended up writing him and, you know, I said something like, you know, first of all, I said to myself, like, this is silly, like, who's going to write me back, right? And then when I wrote the messages, like, I'm such a fan of your art um, and I'm writing this book and, you know, just like, could I potentially maybe use this as my cover thinking I wouldn't hear back. And he wrote back immediately. He said, send me some samples of what you're writing. And I did. And, and he said, I love it. Uh, of course you can use my my artwork on your cover amazing right and and he knew I was an educator and that's part of why he wanted to do it and so anyway um, you know there's just so much inspiration there behind like that at its core and when I look at that I think of like you know it's this idea of like these robots but they have these butterflies coming out of their heart and this is the core of it is that it's something that so many people, when they think of technology, think of something automated. And I think of the exact opposite. I think that it actually creates more um, connection. It can create deeper relationships. I know for me, it's helped me get to know my students in whole new ways for them to open up with me, for me to open up with them, um, for me to really change how I am able to teach and so um that tech for automation is not what what technology is about for me at all um and so yeah it's just been kind of like a beautiful journey for me
1: (laughs) oh that's a that's a beautiful story I mean that's amazing that you were able to get that artwork and and that's such a great explanation that how it it brings the heart into it all Um, You know, in in your book, you do share a lot of your own personal story. How important is is that in your work that you do, sharing your own story?
0: It's been tough, but it's been everything. Before I wrote my book, I really had never told anybody what I was like going through. I had never talked about my struggles. I really hadn't even talked to my best friends about it. Um, When I was publishing my book, I was really scared to call up some of my friends and tell them that I was publishing this and telling them like some of the things that I was writing about. Um, because I just was like, I wasn't at a place yet where, I mean, I, I think some of it is self-acceptance, but also was just scared of how people would react and what they would say. And, you know, I think that so much when I was a child, I thought that, you know, you keep your problems inside, you don't talk about them and i mean anybody listening to me say that right now is probably like well yeah exactly that's one of the hugest parts of your problem like when you're not able to express it and tell it you hold it within and so i talk in my book you know about the eating disorder that i had um that was a chronic eating disorder something that i'll probably struggle with forever and i have to just be very aware of and very careful of and um I wasn't able to express that before. So all of what I was holding in was exasperating, exasperating that problem. Right. It was making that worse um, because I was like trying to hold in a secret that couldn't really be a secret. Right. I think the same thing with people who are introverts. And I know that at times I felt like I tried to be something that I wasn't. And it it harmed me because I wasn't embracing me, and I was wearing myself out in ways like you know I was trying to just be really lively at things because I felt like that was better. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about like just teaching in general um, in some of the ways that like we think about participation and and ways that we grade students and expectations that parents might have and pressures that parents might put on their children too. Um, But some of those things that maybe were more in my head of of what would please other people, I'm a people pleaser to a fault. Like I, again, I talk in my book about being a perfectionist, which has been really hard. I think more about what others might be thinking than what I might be feeling myself. And so all this has just been a journey, a, a journey of self exploration. And as I've accepted myself more, I've found that I'm able to talk more. And part of the reason that I found that I'm able to talk more is through amazingly supportive people that are out there. As I've talked more, people have said like they can relate. People have messaged me personally. People have connected with me and said it on social media. And the way that I feel that I'm actually making an impact is like, that's the biggest thing. So that's the biggest encouragement that I can get. And I will continue doing this work as long as I see that I'm able to help other people.
1: Oh, thank you so much for sharing that because there are so many people where they don't feel that they have a voice or don't understand their introversion and they think they're alone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're listening, you're not alone, you know, and there's things that you can do to have that voice. And get what you want out of life too, but understanding who you are. Um, so again, that's so important in your book to really give all kids a voice. Um, tell us how you know and you've you've talked a little bit about it so far, but you know how how do you do that? How do you use technology to do that to create that inclusive classroom that's so important?
0: Yeah. So my tech journey really started with. Um, what's now called the flip classroom. So making videos um, so that it could make the classroom space more participatory. So something about that is just, you know, giving students choice um, over how, not, not choice over what they're watching, but choice over how they're consuming that information. So what I mean by that is, you know, some people, again, like as we're talking about ourselves and being processors, like I know that when I was in school and watching things scribbled on the board i was scribbling it in my notebook as i saw it scribbled on the board i wasn't able to process it it wasn't until i went home the next that evening that i was able to think about it and and work it out in my own head because it was all jumbled when it was coming out of the teacher's mouth and i wasn't unjumbling it when i was writing it on my piece of paper i needed time later to go through and process that and that's just how my mind works now I will tell you that I thought that that meant that I wasn't smart enough when I was growing up. So this, again, was like my own me in my head telling myself like other people can do that. They're better, they're smarter. It didn't matter if by the next day I had figured it out and I could solve more problems than somebody sitting next to me because things were not not like unjumbling themselves from when it came out of the teacher's mouth to my notebook. I felt like you know there was something that, wasn't as good about me so now when i'm putting that control into students hands with them being able to watch a video them being able to press a pause button them being able to do that for homework at night so they can come into the classroom having been prepared um and then i have my other students you know i have some of them who watch it at 1.5 x speed every day and they're great with that like and actually they're happier because now they can watch me at 1.5 x speed in the classroom they would have gotten they would have gotten bored, right? So we have all different types of learners. We're talking mainly about introverts, but we have all different types of learners. So how can we create these opportunities to really um, allow everybody to consume information and produce information in a way that best fits them? So that's that was the beginning, it was really just making videos that students could do at home. And then in the classroom, I was able to open up more collaborative spaces so students could problem-solve Together, then as I learned more, you know, then I gave students opportunities sometimes to sit alone if they wanted to. They couldn't sit alone every day, though. It just, it was, you know, became a very much of a classroom environment where we were working on problems collaboratively where I was able to put more ownership on students and I was able to facilitate their growth so I could really be a guide in that process because I was able to listen instead of being stuck at the board talking so long and then I started exploring tools like I talk in my book about Pear Deck which has been a really um, important tool for me which is just a way to add interactivity into your Google Slides and so I use that for every warm-up instead of doing a warm-up where You know, I put a problem on the board and then ask people to raise their hand to respond or ask people to call out and help me finish the problem, which is what I was doing before. You know, maybe I would pause and, you know, say, look, what's the next step or whatever now is a I'm able to with Pear Deck, put a problem out there and then allow all students, like I give wait time, so all students can write something down, and then I can project all those answers. I can actually project them anonymously on the board. We can talk about correct answers, incorrect answers without me calling any individual student out, and we can really talk about like the thought process. So something that I love doing sometimes is even somebody's answer that might not be fully done, um, because again, we have Students who work at different paces, and sometimes a warm up, I have to cut it off to keep the flow of class going. But even somebody who's not done, I might put the attention of their work on the board so that I'm able to, to call out this wonderful process or this wonderful thought or like how this person was approaching that problem and really dive into things that you know, as a student, like my teacher had no ability to do something like that. In real time, we can kind of get into everybody's head by looking at um, a process that might not be complete and talking about how you're working through a problem. And so that's been really powerful for me. And uh, something that, you know, As I've done more talking, not necessarily something that I do in my classroom, but something that I talk to leaders about, I'm going to actually have an awesome opportunity next month um, with um, an NYU alum, and I'm going to get to talk at one of their NYU alum events to business leaders about using a tool very similar to, it doesn't have to be Pear Deck, but something like Pear Deck, where you can create these Google Slides, you could send this in advance, you can have people answer some of the questions in advance on the slides. They can type their responses. They can write it out. And then when they come to the meeting, then they can just listen and and they've already been able to contribute, right? Because maybe they wanted to think about it in advance or when they come to the meeting, they already had time to think. Um, And that's actually something that um, I had talked to my principal at my school about and he's incorporated into the way he does meetings. And um, is it something that everybody needs or, or likes? Definitely not. But is it something that some of us like helps us thrive? Absolutely. And I think that is the really important piece of it is like, it's not about getting rid of hand raising entirely. It's just about providing a platform where we can hear from a diversity of ideas and we really can shine the spotlight on what everyone's thinking instead of, you know, a couple of hand raisers.
1: Yeah. And what you just said, I was going to say that it's like, this is wonderful for the classroom, but it applies to our lives. And, you know, as adults and and the meetings that we have, sometimes we need time to process things. I know I'm always talking about it's so important to prepare as much as you can for things. You know, we do better. Um, Sometimes we don't need time to process like you and I right now this conversation we've both given these things a lot of thought so we're not we're 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 just talking and having a great time we're not yeah. spending a lot of time processing cuz we've thought through these things but when we when it's new information especially that's when we might need some more time and that's for the classroom but that's for our work life or our personal life uh, or you know we might need to prepare And man, I can't help but think back to my school days. And you should have been my calculus teacher because (laughs) it didn't go like this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The times have changed, luckily.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And you've, you've talked about the importance of connecting with your students. And again, that's so important. We all need connection, introverts, extroverts, everybody. How do you connect with students, especially the quieter ones?
0: So again, I feel like giving a variety of platforms for expression has been something that's been really key for me. So, um, you know, and it's simple. It's like simple things. Like none of what I'm going to say is groundbreaking. It's just making the time for it and making the space for it and then also being responsive to it. So that's another really important thing. Maybe rethinking as a teacher how you're spending your time, like what things you're maybe grading versus what things you're just listening to and then reacting to. And when I say reacting, like, you know, how you're then the, I think that makes the connection with the students. So, you know, let's talk about some just concrete, simple examples. One of them is when I make the videos, like students watch the videos and I embed questions in the videos because I think it's very important that, you know, students are able to kind of do on the spot learning checks. So, most of those are multiple choice things, students get on the spot feedback. I get all that information before class starts, but I also leave a space there where, you know, maybe I have students just summarize their, their, what they took away from it. So I can really get some insight into like, what were your top takeaways? So I can see, are they, um, are, are they taking away what was core in it, or did they miss that core essential idea? So a simple question, like what were your main takeaways can go really far in connecting me with the student but also a question like, what what did you struggle with today? Just a simple open-ended type question, giving that space, leaving that room right in the homework that they're doing so that while they're watching it, like they don't need to email me separately. They don't need to come into school later or before school or after school separately to ask that question. It's just embedded right there into what they're already doing. So they have something in their mind they type it right there because I've given them a box to type in, right? Maybe they don't write anything and that's fine too. I have some kids who rarely write in there and instead they come to class and they just ask me because that's what they're comfortable with. So again, it's like the variety of platforms that we can give. So another tool that we talked about simply was the flip grids of uh, the video that I can do video communication with students. So before every assessment, I have students do a short little check in with me, they get on the video, I usually ask them like a couple of bullet points. And some students just really open up and sit there and they talk to me now these are private they're just between me and the students so nobody else is seeing it. So student needs something, they talk it out to me, I'm requiring them to do something that's very small. But in that space, I'm giving them an opportunity to do something that's much larger if they want. So they're able to do that. When we're doing the paradigm warm up in class, like I really give a lot of effort into trying to start with something that's like a very simple check in, like how are you doing, or like uh, what's a win from the week, what's a fail from your week. Just giving them again that space to just check in. Like it takes an extra minute or two. It does take me quite a bit of extra time to read all the responses, and then to reply to them. But I've learned that that's something that's just really essential for me. It's essential for my happiness as a teacher. It's also essential for like the way that I run my classroom. And so maybe I don't give feedback on every single piece of um, homework like I used to do. And a lot of times I give students more opportunities to self check their work because I'm giving them these other things, I feel like um, I'm still able to stay on top of things, and I'm able to prioritize what I need to prioritize as a teacher.
1: That sounds wonderful, and again, to the student, the connection is so important, and you know, so often that doesn't happen. Um, You're also a consultant, so you give keynote speeches and other presentations, and um, you know, some people might think, well, introverts, they don't love giving speeches, but What are some of your secrets to being a successful introvert speaker and why is speaking important to you as an introvert?
0: Yeah, Um, I love speaking. I really enjoy public speaking. Um, Do when I go to conferences, are they absolutely exhausting to me? Yes, I could never be like some of, you know, these speakers who travel, you know, for six weeks straight back to back to back going to places I could never do that it would not be healthy for me whatsoever um I've been at times you know I've tried to do too many things back to back and I know that it's taken a toll on me so it's not that I don't love the speaking part it is that being in those large spaces is exhausting to me and draining to me um I've learned sometimes when I go to conferences that it's okay for me to say no to the night event where everybody's going out and for me to take that time to just like be kind of quiet and and just process whatever happened in the day. And I've learned that it's okay to do that. And that was something that was really a big piece of discovery for me. It's also hard because we all have this fear of missing out, right? Um, But also something that's been a huge blessing for me. Um, you know, there's so much in the pandemic that's been just totally awful, but something that I have really discovered and embraced is the virtual, um, conferences and, you know, luckily so much stuff has happened virtually. And I've also been able to do so much virtual speaking. Um, I've done way more speaking than I've ever done in my life before. And it's something that I really, really enjoy. And it's something that actually works super well for my personality. It works really well for my message. Sometimes I feel like, um, my virtual presentations are way more effective than my face-to-face presentations because I can engage my audience in exactly what I'm talking about. Like, all right, I'm talking about this, but now you're going to experience it. And that's a really powerful thing to do. So, um, yeah, I I hope to continue. I hope that the virtual uh, events continue, and I hope to be able to continue doing that work because I do enjoy it a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I think virtual events are here with you know here to stay. But also, you know, hopefully the in person they're starting to really open up again. I just went to a conference and gave a presentation, and I like doing both. And so yeah, I think I think definitely. The virtual is here and it has a great place. And, you know, it's, you busted another myth there. Introverts can love public speaking. I do too, but you have to, and you did a really good explanation that you have some boundaries. And if you can figure out those boundaries, like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to go to the, to the event tonight. Cause I, I'm just going to go back to the room and, you know, chill out for a little while. Um, also, I know with public speaking. I love it, but, I really need to prepare and think ahead of time. What am I gonna say? You know, yeah. I just, all of that good stuff. So we love to public speak, but even things that we love can be draining to us. And we just got to get to know those things as an introvert. What drains me and wh- how do I recharge? And nice. uh, let's let's talk about that as being a classroom teacher. When you're a classroom teacher, How do you recharge with that when you've got back to back classes all day? You love teaching because, again, some people might have a silly idea that introverts don't like to be teachers, but that's crazy. There's a lot of amazing introvert teachers, but you have back to back classes. How do you recharge? What's your strategy there?
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because I went from teaching where, you know, I was teaching five classes a day to then um, an ed tech. Job where I was teaching one or two classes a day and then working with teachers. And I found that when I was teaching five classes a day, it was easier for me than when I went into the ed tech coaching role of teaching a much lighter load, but then having these other, you know, things meetings that popped up during the day. Um, And so I don't think this is so I don't think this is totally an introvert thing, but I'm like somebody who just likes to know um, when things are happening. So I felt very much like I knew I could control what my day looked like as a teacher, because I knew exactly when I was teaching my classes and I had planning periods and I knew what spaces to go to in some of those planning periods. Like, I mean, obviously, sometimes students would meet with me, come in for um, extra, you know, like they needed extra help and they would arrange a meeting with me if they had a study hall at that same time. Um, and of course I would be available for that, but, you know, much of the time I could kind of have a quiet moment during that planning period. If I, if I like went to the library, but if I went to the teacher's lounge, I knew that I couldn't go there all the time because that would just be more stimulation during my planning period, which wasn't what I personally needed. And so um, having a lot of control over my schedule as a teacher was actually something that um, I I thrived in. Um, Whereas when I went to more of a tech coaching role, that's something that has been challenging for me, just like the amount of like spontaneous meetings and, um, you know, just like there's always something popping up. Um, which again it's work that I enjoy and I love and so I think that was something that you know at times it's been very difficult to embrace my personality because it's like I enjoy I enjoy talking to people I enjoy working with people all the time I enjoy brainstorms all the time it's just that I can't do it all the time and so um you know, I think it's just like, this is where I think sometimes it's hard to embrace, uh, embrace that piece of your personality because it feels like it's counter to sometimes like what does get you excited. It's just that overstimulation isn't always a good thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you need a break and that's interesting. So you're saying as a teacher, you have some structure so you can plan. Okay, I know I got these three classes, but then I have a planning period or then I'm going to have lunch and, you know, It may be sometimes you go to lunch with people and sometimes, you know what, I really just need to take some time. And, you know, we still need to work on, it's not weird, you know, it's just what I need. Uh, When you're describing the more spontaneous role that you're in now, that's my world, you know? So I, I schedule meetings. I have meetings scheduled for me and it's never quite the same. Um, One thing I've done is I've just, blocked off the first 90 minutes of my day that normally people aren't going to schedule meetings for me. And then I look at my week and sometimes I might just plug in, there's an empty space. I might just plug in a little, a little time for me to, you know, to not have a meeting when, when I can. I I have a lot of control over my schedule, but that's interesting. You know, it's not just teaching. There may be a lot of jobs like that where it's very structured and you, but if you don't get breaks in those jobs, you know, that's something that you can work on advocating for. And I'm I'm so
0: glad you said that advocating for, because I think that's something that's been real, again, like as I've discovered things, um, I put external pressures on myself that were not actually there. And so once, you know, you, sometimes when you ask your supervisor, you ask whoever, and you say, this is what I'm struggling with. um, You know, like you already I already had permission to do some of the things that I wasn't giving myself permission for. And so I think that sometimes we put all these pressures on ourselves that aren't actually there uh, just because we think it's like, quote unquote, normal, because we see other people operating like that. And another thing that was really powerful for me, I read it and it just, um, I thought of it because of how you were saying your 90 minutes that you um, block off in your schedule, you know, and people have talk multiple people have talked about this so I don't even know who to attribute it to but like making a meeting with yourself so it's okay sometimes like I make meetings with other people all the time and I'm going to hold to those meetings it's okay sometimes to make put on my calendar a meeting with myself That I know that I need the 60 minutes to process whatever notes or process whatever I had done from the morning and hold that meeting just like I would hold a meeting with a colleague um, And it's important to me doing good work.
1: Yeah. So not only is it okay, but it's needed. You need it. And -hmm. that's what people need to understand. And it's like, this is how I'm going to be my best. And, you know, people really kind of understand that we all want each other to be our best. But sometimes, you know, somebody might not need that time and not understand why you do. And so, you know, we need to continue to articulate our needs, both individually and also just doing things like this. Um, Stacy, yeah. I could talk to you all day, uh, about this kind of stuff. Is there yeah. anything as we wrap up, you know, is there any, is there any key things that you would want a parent to know or a teacher to know, or, or maybe a, a parent and a teacher to know about the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, for both parents and for teachers, just rethinking kind of this idea of what participation might look and feel like. Um, so, you know, I still, you know, when I read students' report cards, and when I see things, and and I know that I've, I got this comment before um, myself, that idea of like, oh, the student's doing so well, I just love to see them participate more, right? Um, and sometimes, I know for me, it wasn't that I didn't want to participate, it's just that I didn't have the answer right then and there, or I didn't have the form to express myself. And so just like rethinking this idea of what participation means, and also to send that message home to parents, like even if they're, you know, seeing their child, maybe not being the first one to chime in on things. I know that, um, you know, my, my dad in particular would He really worked with me when I was younger and saying like, you know, I'm going to challenge you to be the first one to turn something in or like, you know, and, and he was trying to make it a healthy challenge for me because he wanted me to be successful in whatever I was doing, but it just wasn't something that was going to work for me. It just wasn't going to, like, I was never going to be the first one to turn in my test or quiz. It didn't matter how much I wanted to do that. It didn't matter how much I would practice for it. I just, that's not what I could do without actually finishing the test, you know? So, but there wasn't that awareness right back then. And so if I could say something to parents, it's just that it's not necessarily the only way. And that, um, you know, this extrovert ideal is not the only way. The way to get your voice heard is not only by speaking up in class. And I think that you know, we can say good and bad things about social media all day. But, you know, if we even look at a platform like TikTok, like kids are getting their voices heard on TikTok. They're really getting creative in how they're expressing themselves. And I do think there's just going to be so many more ways for people to make their ideas seen and heard in meetings in the corporate world um, that is different than what we grew up with and um, you know i think it's important to think about that as as we push our kids um, towards you know we want to push them outside their comfort zone we want to push them outside of you know like we want to help them grow but also just allowing them to embrace who they are
1: yes and again, I told you, I love your book. I think it's it has it's for teachers, it's for parents, it's for introverts whether they have kids or not. You know, it's for extroverts to get to know introverts. It's it's I really enjoyed it. So, where can people find out more about your book or the great work that you're doing?
0: Thank you. Uh, my book's on Amazon. That's the easiest way to to get it. And then I'm on. I'm most active on Twitter. I'm at Buddy XO. I also am on LinkedIn a lot, which you can just look up my name, Stacy Roshan. And I also have a website that is techymusings.com and I have a contact form there. You can always email me. I, I really do I love talking to people
1: <laughs> just in Absolutely. my own way. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's it right there. You know, that yeah. you know, we, we have a lot to say, but you know, there's certain things that we need. So I will put all your information in the show notes. And Thank Stacey, you. it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to further connecting with you. Reach out at david at Check out the website, quietandstrong.com. I'll add social media channels for me and my guests to the show notes. Please comment on social media posts. Send me topics or guests you'd like to see on the show. There's so many great things about being an introvert, and so we need those to be understood. Get to know your introverted strengths and needs, and be strong.